Coming up next, The Lookening watches Witness for the Prosecution, the Billy Wilder movie made out of some silly Agatha Christie story. That's what's coming up next. The Lookening, if you don't know what The Lookening is, that's kind of like The Bookening, only it involves Lookening because we watch the films of cinema. Now, how is this... <laughs> as opposed to the films of... <laughs> as opposed to the films, uh, yeah, well, there's not really anything to oppose it, as Jake is pointing out. Now, how is this different from Sanity at the Movies? I'll tell you. It's completely different. It has it's different so theme different. music. <laughs> it's the different theme music? And uh, mostly Brandon's here. but And it's in a different feed. And it's in a different feed. But this has the bookening theme music, and Brandon's still not here. He's recovering from an ACL tear. Slash LCL. Did he really do two tears? He did, yeah. Wow. He's recovering. Here, I'm going to, but we've got a very special guest, an old, a returning champion to the bookening, <laughs> or the lookening. No, first time lookening performer. False. What? No. No, that's right. Returning champion. Of the looking, Mayor- she, she coined the looking. If I'm not mistaken, I she's, did. She's coined more than one thing. She is like, um, who's somebody that coins things? She's like someone that works the, for the mint. Yes, what I was gonna say, U.S. Mint. Um, she coins things. <laughs> ah, ah, we're uh, we're we're out of the gate strong. <laughs> All right, my name is Nathan Amerson. I'm your humble and obedient host of the Looking slash Booking slash lots of other podcasts. Over there, we've got a frequent friend of mine and fellow podcaster <laughs> <laughs> there's very few podcasts i do without him if any uh, none yeah I, zero i think there's been a well there have been there have been a handful of episodes of certain podcasts just this one just just this one just yeah the bookening yeah. his name is pastor jacob menzel he's a pastor who's a master of reading and of watching film of course how you doing today jake good how are, are you, you excited i'm so excited all right well let's introduce him? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> some idiot, some sexist, misogynist. Well, you, you know, I mean, this guest name is Danny. That's true. Is it, it could be Danny the Dude. It could be Danny the Dude. Is it Danny the Dude? No, we're never having Danny the Dude on this show. <laughs> Danny the Dude's not coming. Uh, Danny the Dude, you could maybe come on, but you'd have to pay a hundred bucks. Yeah, um, but this is dubstep Danny. Bomp, 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 the mom who's a bomb of... Her theme song. Reading. Uh, 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 she loves Drop her the theme fat beat. song. <laughs> hey, Danny. Hey. How you doing? Doing great. Uh, you are here as our resident Agatha Christie apologist, defender. <laughs> now, fun fact the incandescent Emerith, Meredith, my uh, lovely fiance, appeared on an episode a couple weeks ago, a bonus episode regarding poetry. And since that time, the incandescent Meredith has been in communication with you, mm-hmm. Dubstep Danny, Mom Who's a Bomb of Reading. She has told me that I should have let you make the arguments you wanted to make on, I guess, the Agatha Christie episodes. Oh, uh, the problem wasn't that I didn't get to make my arguments. It's that you just didn't fight back. Well, what arguments didn't I fight back on? Because I thought I had a reputation as a real Agatha Christie hater. A real stick in the mud. Yeah. You just laid down mm-hmm. before the power of dubstep Danny didn't put well, up. That sounds like. I she should. came with her her arguments, real arguments, and mm-hmm. you were just like, "Well," I, what, and you what, said, "It's just a matter of taste." What what were some like of that. these arguments? Um, she had like six of them or something like that. Did you have them in your little notebook? She did. I was hopped up on something or other, wasn't I? Oh, that's super no. sick that day. No, you that's an you were on cold medicine, and I was on some strange medication. Yeah, we were both heavily medicated that day, <laughs> so I don't think we can be held <laughs> responsible. It's such a stellar episode. Um, um, well, I I mean, I have things to say about Agatha Christie, but I think they can wait until after we talk about the movie. Okay. I want to hear. I want to talk about the movie first. Okay. All right, we'll talk about the movie, but first, a rare, very fast. Um, lightning round lightning round of donor shout outs i decided we'd do it first here folks it's only gonna take 20 minutes 
Um, <laughs> no, it'll, it'll only take a minute. If Jake, I'll I'll just alternate between the two of you. You want to help us, Danny, with this? Totally. Uh, I'll call out the name. You, I'll just you know we'll just burn through these. Real shout fast. it right out. All right, shout. Then I'm, we're introducing some people to the donor shout out. So yeah, I'm we got new about donors. That. Yeah, welcome and thank All you, of them old donors. Here just to- Push us over so that we get to do Narnia. Yes, we should mention, thank you very much to our donors. We are now over $750, which means Jake's which means lifelong dream do, is coming true. We're doing Narnia this summer, all seven books, just mm-hmm. like we did all seven books of Harry Potter last year. Yeah, 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 I have a question. Yes, yes, yes ma'am. What order are you going to read the seven books in? We are going to re- read them in published. Well, I don't know. We've already consulted about this, but I'm going to guess we're going to read them in published order, not the Absolutely. Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe comes first. Absolutely. Followed so by much. your Prince Caspian, yeah. followed by Voyage. This, there's no room for yeah. debate on this. All heretics will be burned at the stake. Well, except for what did old Clive Staples do? Um, there was once, I don't know why I know this, He there was a kid who wrote him and was a little upset because he read them in maybe the wrong order. Mm-hmm. And he wrote back to the kid and said, it's okay. You can read them whatever order you want. So Clive Staples would let so, us do whatever we wanted. Right. But I think he was also just trying to comfort a poor distraught child. Yeah. yeah. No, I- Everyone else knows that the real order to read them in is publication order. And yet certain fiends and malcontents have tried to argue that you should read them in the order of chronology. All of the collections, all the modern collections put them in chronological yeah. order. Do they boo? Okay. So we've yeah. read we just read it, recently read it uh, in publication order. The Dubstep was, family? The, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the family who are all bombs at reading. R- yes, yes. Um and it was so delightful to watch our kids start to realize who Aslan was with the book. Right. And with Lion the Witch in a Wardrobe and wonder, who is this? What is this? There's a lion. And then when he appears, you see that, like, you can actually see the delight in their faces. So if you want to snatch delight from your children, like a like a jerk grabbing an ice cream cone from a three-year-old and smashing it into the ground with his foot, mm-hmm. then read them in the chronological order. Yeah. Publication. Start with the oh. magician's nephew if you want to ruin it. Mm-hmm. If you That's want right. your kids to experience the delight of discovering. Well, the other thing is that the magician's nephew is so much better when you bring to it nostalgia for yes, Narnia. Oh, yeah, this guy used to be. Yeah, this is like. I don't know why you, I'm feeling like seeing... I can't spoil this. <laughs> I just stopped myself from giving a spoiler to something that's <laughs> thousands of years old. You're seeing the the birth of this world that you've loved over mm-hmm. six books, and you've already seen the death of it. No, no, I'm just sure it comes before Last Battle. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's last right. That is true. Last. That's right. But you've already seen the winter of it and uh, lots right. of other things of it. That's right, yeah. You've seen it as an older world. Yeah. And I I like getting the beginning and the end right back side to yeah. side. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And it's a, how a lot of kids learn about that aspect of storytelling, like the whole concept of kind of flashing back and filling in things and mm-hmm. stuff. They learn it from Narnia or they learn it from Star Wars if they're little punks, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. Donor shout outs. We ready I'm for it? Jake, Robert and Ron of the Lovebirds. Robert and Ron of the Lovebirds. The Artful Anthony Dodger, Danny. The Artful Anthony Dodger. Little Anthony's Cigar Store. Little Anthony's Cigar Store. Hey, we may have made it sound like they sell cigarettes. They do not. For reasons of conscious, sell cigarettes. They do sell absolutely wonderful cigars and pipes and other things. You know, I can't vouch for that. I think Little Anthony's needs to send us a care package. That's true. Little Anthony's, I mean, they do send us, they do pay. I mean, I mean, they're very generous people. (laughs) But they need to be more generous. And they ought to be supported (laughs) just on the merits of their goodness. However, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind. Think about how much more fun Dubstep Danny would be having if you and I were both smoking giant cigars <laughs> yeah. right now. Yeah, well, it would, would be our own little smoke machine for her, her yeah. music and her, her dancing. Her, her immer- yeah, <laughs> she'd feel right at home, <laughs> Dubstep style. I'll bring my own strobe lights. Well, fog machine. You know. Okay, anyway, go to, go to Little Anthony's Cigar Store for all your uh, cigar needs. The Immortal, which one of you's turn Me. is it? Yeah, the Immortal Chelsea E? The Immortal Chelsea E. Jimmy Beam and Little Annie Oakley. Jimmy Beam and Little Annie Oakley. Lily of the Valley. Lily of the Valley. By the way, if you want to become a donor and get a donor shout out, you go to patreon.com forward slash the booking. You pay at least $10. We will shout you out in like manner to what you're now hearing. Andrew and Esther the Lovebirds. Andrew and Esther the Lovebirds. The Inscrutable Jenny Z. The Inscrutable Jenny Z. The Keith Master. The Keith Master. David's Mighty Men Trucking. David's Mighty Men Trucking. John and Jill and Little Baby Max. John and Jill and Little Baby Max. Jay and Katie, who are a personal favorite of mine. Jay and Katie, who are cold and love cheese. Jay and Katie, who are cold and love cheese. Another personal favorite, my beloved mother, Beth. My beloved mother, Beth. 
And a new entry to the donor shout-out world. Yay. I'm going to call this person the Consolidator. Okay. Their name is Console. Console the Consolidator. Mm, con- the Consolidator if, if it's If their name's Console, it should be like Atari or Nintendo or Atari, well, PS4. Console. It should be a console of some kind. Uh, we'll call them Console Prime. <laughs> All right. That sounds cool. Uh, oh, with a color. What uh, What do you think console's favorite color is, Danny? Blue. Blue. So console pl- prime blue. Console prime blue. All right, let me put this. It's got to be a prime color because it's console prime. Is that what was that your logic there? You didn't want to upset it, subvert it by <laughs> console prime prime aquamarine. <laughs> console, <laughs> console secondary aquamarine. <laughs> oh, and right on top of console, we have. Oh no, never mind. This is somebody we've had before. Never mind. It's Adam. Uh, but Adam, I've decided. I've never really been able to come up with a cool name for Adam. This time I will. He's going to be Adam All-Powerful. The Adam Smasher. The Adam... Well, that would be his enemy. Oh, (laughs) of course. (laughs) (laughs) Silly me. (laughs) Adam the Smasher. Oh, yeah, I like Adam the Smasher. Let's do Adam the Smasher. What's the... The thing in the Switzerland with the with CERN or whatever. The Collider? The Collider. The... Yeah, what's the name of it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll call it, him Adam the Smasher of Worlds. There we go. Whose turn is it to call out Adam the Smasher? Adam the Smasher of Worlds. And Emily, previously she's been E-M-I-L-Y. I've decided she needs a cooler name as well. So we'll go with... Good decision. Galactic Princess Emily. Galactic Princess Emily. You're welcome, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, our old friend Fletcher, the woebedraggled wizard of yore. <laughs> Say that ten times fast. It's like a vocal warm-up. Fletcher, the woebedraggled wizard, wizard of, of yore. Of yore. <laughs> Say it again. Wo- Fletcher, the woebedraggled wizard of yore. Was that right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. There you oh, go. Uh, of course, Jeremy, the dark-hooded lord of death. Jeremy, the dark-hooded lord of death. Uh, Nathan, not me. Nathan, or- not Nathan. The incandescent Meredith, of course. The incandescent Meredith, of course. Mm-hmm. Maya! Maya! Hi, Maya. Now, another one that I've always felt didn't have the name, and I actually spent like 30 seconds today coming up with names. <laughs> Rock and Ryan and Judo Judy, I've always felt bad for them. So many people, like, oh. you got the Dark Hooded Lord of Death, but... Then it's Rock and Ryan, Judo Judy. It's like, come on, Nathan, you can do better than that. These people pay hard-earned money. They deserve something good. So we will go with. We'll give this a try. We'll see if it works. Boo. Whose turn is it? I don't know. It's uh, we both did. Maya. We just we all did Maya. She, did you do uh, before Maya was the incandescent Meredith? That was me. So it's me. I yep. get Ryan and Judy. Okay, Ryan the Red Avenger and Judith of the Ladies of Justice. Ryan, the Red Avenger, and Judith of the Ladies of Justice. Yeah, I like it. I like how that sounds. You want to do that one more time? <laughs> Ryan, the Red Avenger, and Judith of the Ladies of Justice. Terror <laughs> yes, like... <laughs> swept the city. <laughs> when Ryan, the Red Avenger, and Judith of the Ladies of Justice. Ah, okay, let's do Danny the Dude, Jake. Danny the Dude. And of course, DJ Sammy G. DJ Sammy G. Benny and Dana Tiberius. Benny and Dana T. Uh, Eric and Catherine, the lovebirds. Eric and Catherine, the lovebirds. I said Nathan, not me, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, okay. And of course, uh, bringing up the rear, last but not least, Professor and Lady X. I forget whose turn it is. Me too. Professor and Lady X. All right, people. Thank you for donating. Come on, people. Smile on your brother. Everybody get together and love one, one another. another right now. Yep. Booking does not endorse the content or message of that song. <laughs> now... <laughs> We all watched a little movie called Witness for the Prosecution based on a short story, which we have all read, I mm-hmm. believe. Danny, you have read it. I have read it. If this is someone's first episode with you, they should know you are a fan of Dame Christie. I am. Dame Agatha. Dame Agatha. You enjoy her work. Who is her, your favorite of her heroes or heroines? Um... What is your favorite book by Dame Agatha Christie? I don't know. Or is it just like every one of them kind of blends together in a boring, <laughs> blob, mediocre <laughs> sludge? <laughs> is it kind of like that? <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I don't have a favorite. I I enjoy them. Well, let's say there's a, a Tommy and Tuppence. Mm-hmm. It's about to fall off of a cliff on this side. And then there's a Poirot on the other. It's about to fall off the other side of the cliff. 
And then there's a Miss Marple, Marple. And you can only save one of them from falling off the cliff. What do you do? I'll probably grab Miss Marple. Grab the Miss Marple? Mm-hmm. That's fair. Miss Marple, not as iconic of a TV character, and therefore... No, she's not. I don't know her as well. Um, there's yeah. not a Suchet to... What Suchet is to Poirot, there's not a, what some lady is to Miss Marple. Yeah, there have been a number of women who've played her. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I've seen my share of Miss Marples, mm-hmm. but... Or Mrs. Marple. Yeah. It's one of those things. I think so. Like a, a Chalupa's Supreme. Um, or passersby. My, my tacos... Is it my my taco is a Doritos? My tacos, uh, I I don't. Look. So shameful. Yep. So you like Agatha Christie? Mm-hmm. You just enjoy Agatha Christie. Your life <laughs> That's is, all I do. Your life is devoid of <laughs> all, all day meaning. long. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, Danny famously came on for Murder on the Orient Express. Mm-hmm. True or yep. false, Jake? True. And we had some fun. It was established that I do not like Agatha Christie all that much. True. Um, Danny had arguments why I should, but true. they fell to pieces and I didn't have to... Also, true and false. How is it both true and false? No, just saying true or false. Oh. Randomly. Okay. On the show. Okay. That's a trope that we've carried on. I'm pretty sure at the end... Oh, yes, yes, yes. Danny established truth and falsehood. I think I did. <laughs> did? Um, I think at the end of that Murder on the Orient Express episode, you were um, discovered as a murderer. I was indicted right? as a murderer. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot all about that. <laughs> I grabbed a gun and <laughs> no one could touch me because I had a gun. Uh-huh. It was a salient, scintillating commentary on uh, gun laws in our country. Precisely. <laughs> Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> Lock her up. Lock her up. Not Danny. Hillary. Um, when I think of salience, <laughs> for some reason, that triggers lock her up in my brain. Um, okay, so I like... No, I don't like Agatha Christie. Right. I think she's lame. But Danny likes her for some reason. Jake, Danny. Yo. yo. Mm-hmm. We watched the movie. We watched the we Charles did. Lawton, Elsa Lancaster, Tyrone Power, Una O'Connor. Marlena Dietrich. Dietrich. Marlena Dietrich, of course, wearing her trademark black trousers for at least a couple minutes for a naughty army boy. Causes some trouble there. In this film of Agatha Christie's Witness for the Prosecution, how did we feel about this classic work of cinema? It was great. I, yeah, it was really great. I love it. Charles Lawton. It's amazing. Charles Lawton is really amazing. Yep. Was he the lawyer? Yeah. Barrister. Okay, yes, yes. Yeah. Sorry, the barrister. Sir Wilfred or whatever. Mm-hmm, yeah. A character that does not appear in the sludge that is. But he the- does appear in the play, which Agatha Christie wrote. Yes, this is true. So, I have read the short story, I've skimmed the play, I've mm-hmm. watched the movie, and I don't know that it really confirms in me a love of Agatha Christie. Well, what? I don't, I don't, I don't know what to say to you. <laughs> I don't know. You haven't made any arguments. You just don't like it. You know? This is where things always break down, but we're going to push through this and we achieve... Are. And I'm going to win. You will in the minds and hearts of our listeners, certainly. <laughs> Whether you win in the room is another question. Maybe maybe we'll do a battle for the soul of Jake. Oh, that sounds dramatic. Eh, but Jake will just decide Agatha Christie's good. Um, yeah, I kind of think she is. Well, I will say, let me let me make a few assertions. I really like this movie. Mm-hmm. It uses Agatha Christie's Cracker Jack plot, which is a wonderful plot. Maybe one of my favorites of the Agatha Christie plots that I know. Uh-huh. Certainly one of the most memorable. Yeah. And builds a really good movie around it. And mm-hmm. the movie would not work. Without the Christie of it all, I will fully admit it did. It has this wonderful driving narrative with lots of twists and turns. And as I went through the play, actually, what I found was that a lot of the stuff that I really liked does come from the Christie play. Mm-hmm. Just little moments, even little plot moments, like the barrister saying, is it not possible that you could have heard the TV? And her saying, it was out for repairs. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's all Christie. So there's a lot of good stuff uh-huh. that Christie gave us. But everything that I really like about the movie actually isn't from Agatha Christie, even if yeah. she is great. I really like Charles Lawton. I really mm-hmm. like the character moments. I really like the stuff with Elsa Lancaster, who was Charlie's, Charles, Charles Lawton's real life wife, by the way. She plays the nurse. I think all that comedy is hilarious and fun. And mm-hmm. those characters are really colorful and fun. That's kind of what I like about the movie. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. You're allowed to like that. I enjoy those things too. And those aren't. Those aren't Agatha Christie. Those are Agatha Christie? Those I said those aren't. Those oh, aren't yes, from her. Yeah. She's not also, in fact, Charles Lawton. No. Agatha Christie is not Charles Lawton. <laughs> I'm Surprise, glad we established she that. Every character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're actually all her in disguise. 
Billy Wilder. It's a meta commentary on her plot. Yeah, it is a meta commentary. <laughs> you know, when I was, you know, I, here, let me say some nice things about Agatha Christie. Maybe okay. this will defuse the arguments that you're about to bring against me. She's pretty good, I guess, at plot. <laughs> he lays down every time you walk in the room. No, no, no. You, you... <laughs> it's just like, you step outside and he's just going to be like, she's terrible. I hate her. I don't know. I, think I don't understand she, why anybody likes her. I don't, probably because they're I stupid women who hate poetry. I witness for the prosecution episode, <laughs> yeah. and that's basically what you said. I mean, I don't want to call anybody stupid, but <laughs> wait, you're pretty stupid if you like Agatha Christie. Is that what I said? Yes, you did. Yeah. Danny, I don't think you're and stupid. And then you modified it to, well, then you must be a woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm, mm. Your brain mm. is lesser in a different sense. Um, <laughs> listen, I love women. And this is where it always goes. Among them, back up, Agatha back Christie. Up. Okay, yeah. back up and talk about Agatha Christie. Okay. Okay. Agatha Christie's is a fantastic divisor of plots. And mm-hmm. if you want me to argue against that just because you had some argument for it, then I can't. She really is. She's great. I mean, you can't argue against that. No. The fact is that she's a master plot maker. She is a master plot maker. And that, that is a is lot exactly of exactly what her one major selling point is. Yeah. Uh, right? That's what people love most about so i i i disagree i mean it was obviously one of her big things but i think ultimately agatha christie is actually an amazing study of human nature really yes this fascinates me okay let's get it let's let's do it Um, let's do this because all yeah you have well-written plots but the question for me at the end of an agatha christie work is always are these real people Mm -hmm. do i believe what just happened the reason the witness for the prosecution works is because you actually can imagine a woman who, well, you, you, you can imagine during it that there is a woman who hates her husband so much that she would do this and you can actually hate her for that. And then you actually believe it when it, you reveal, oh no, she's actually the hero. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's that they're actually believable. And obviously that's well acted. But even as you, I think any of her plots only make sense because they're believable because people are actually like that. I will give you this much and mm-hmm. maybe more, but you'll have to wring it out of me. I will begin by giving you this much. I wouldn't say that they, I'm not sure that I'd go so far as to say they are compelling character studies or anything like that. She does make it feel more or less inevitable that the people act the way they do. Mm-hmm. And that is a big trick. And that is something that often falls to pieces in a plot-based thriller is that it just feels like everybody is just doing what they need to right. for the contrivance of the plot to move things along and to get things from A to B. I will say that Agatha Christie is pretty good in a somewhat simple way at making it feel like Romaine or Christine, as she's called in the movie, is doing the things not simply because the plot requires them of mm-hmm. her, but because that's what she would do, which is a real trick. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure that Agatha Christie's insight into human nature goes any deeper than the ability to m- disguise her plots with enough human nature sprinkling to sort of make it make it all work and feel inevitable. That's that's where we perhaps disagree. If you were saying, well, I think you've you've accused her before of being logic puzzles of doing the you know the tobacco from Bulgaria. So that means that he's a blah da 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 da. And that's mm-hmm. there are there are detective novels like that. I think of Sherlock Holmes is like that. But everything with Christie is actually like the whole stick with Poirot is not that he knows the tobacco from Bulgaria, mm-hmm. but that. He understands people and motivation, right? Yeah, like, and that's, that's Miss Marple his, too. Right. It's all about people and motivation. Yeah, and that's what I think Christie does really well is under. I actually understand motivations. So I've read one of the books she wrote under a pseudonym, and I can't remember the name of the book. And I think her pseudonym is like Mary Westmacott. Or they're all published under her name now, so it's right. not a big deal. But and it was not really what I expected. It was like a the psychological, almost thrillerish. It was about this woman who's had the perfect life. And she's the perfect, you know, done everything she's supposed to, a wonderful mother, all this stuff. And then she goes, she's kind of stranded in the desert for a couple of days when her train breaks down by herself. And she has this religious repentance over the course of these days, realizing <laughs> and looking, flashing back on her life and realizing all the ways that actually she's had a mask on for everyone. And she's wasn't a good mother, hasn't been a good wife, all these things. And then the, and then the end of the novel is following her back home on the train as she starts to re-justify to herself uh, all of her wickedness. And she gets home and there's this one moment that she has where she can repent to her husband. And instead she goes back to who she was before. Oh no. And it's the, but it, but it's all believable. It's all there. 
all the motivation is authentic. Mm-hmm. It's, and I see, I can see myself in it. I can see other people in it. Mm-hmm. I can say, yeah, this, this is the moment. You know, if she, if she just says the one thing, she says, I'm sorry to him, then she can change their world. And instead you go back to old habits. And I, I think that's what Christy actually is good at. I don't think, I don't think all of her works do that because plot really is her bread and butter. Yeah. And plot's always the interesting thing, but I think mm-hmm. her really good, her really good works get some good human nature and motivations and just reality. Hmm. Well, what's going to happen is floored. you're going you're gonna, to, well, yeah, I've never <laughs> encountered this in Agatha Christie. Um, well, I think part of the problem actually is that you've known the ending to everything you've read already. Yeah, that's true. And so you don't, you're not actually as interested in who the people are and what might be happening because you're just looking at, oh, is that a clue for the end? Because you actually know the end. Yeah. Well, and I've not read anything where the plots don't seem kind of obvious. Maybe it's just because we're decades on from when she wrote. The, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to say she's stupid and I'm smart. We are people. Come on, people, work <laughs> with me. Um, <laughs> All of Nathan's mystery novels that I've read, the plots have not been obvious. Oh, okay, okay. That's a fair argument. <laughs> Number of best-selling mysteries written by Nathan, zero. Number written by Agatha Christie. So many. 250. Okay, she wins. But he, yet I find my number of great podcasts criticizing Agatha Christie done by Nathan. Five or six. <laughs> number of podcasts where Agatha Christie successfully defends herself, zero. What were we talking about? <laughs> I am shocked. I I don't, I've not encountered this in Agatha Christie. I will say, once again, I will give you that, like, Murder on the Orient Express, everything feels fairly inevitable. Mm -hmm. The characters, it all works. Like, by the time you get to the end, it's like, oh, yeah, I guess all these people really would have gotten together and murdered this guy. I don't know if I approve, but it works. Like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't just feel like a plot contrivance. It, It does feel like a plot contrivance, but it also feels like a successfully and artfully disguised. Mm-hmm. plot contrivance so it's an int- i read something the other day um a person who was defending agatha christie and reading research for in um, preparation for this <laughs> uh, i might have done a random google search um <laughs> when i was bored of an evening mm-hmm. but she said a frequent criticism of agatha christie is that she writes two-dimensional characters mm-hmm. and this woman's i think it was a, i think it was a woman writing mm. um sounds like it <laughs> <laughs> her defense which I will take up as my defense okay. that I agree with is that she does write two dimensional characters for a portion of the novel because a lot of what she does is, you know, in a murder investigation, everyone puts on a face mm. and puts on their front of who they, who they are going to appear to be. And those are two dimensional, but often, almost always, the third dimension comes out in the big finale. And, and if that is authentic, which I think it usually does ring true then that third piece fits in well with who that person is and you get a fully fleshed character. This is where I'm afraid I think it might just come back to a matter of taste because when I'm looking to be entertained, I'm not going to be entertained by authenticity. Sure, okay, everybody acts like two-dimensional in a murder investigation. That just means I don't want to read about a murder investigation. I want you to ham it up for me, make it uh-huh. make it more fun, make it more colorful than it really would be even. Just So is that why you prefer the like film versions or TV versions? Yeah, Do you I like think- watching those? What's that? You like watching those? Yeah, I, I enjoy like the, um, what's his face? The Suchet yeah, yeah. stuff. I've enjoyed on some level most of the murders on the Orient Express that I've seen. Except for that Kenneth Branagh one was pretty silly. But, it's true. you know, it's, yeah, I like Agatha Christie stuff to watch. Mm-hmm. And I like the time period. I like the clothes. I like any, any version is going to be sumptuous visually if they're doing it right. And I just, I enjoy it on that level, which I sort of miss. I miss the atmospherics in the books. Mm-hmm. And probably someone will say, well, what about the short story that's full of atmosphere? Well, I never read it. I'm sorry. And she is a pretty bear writer. Yeah, but I've never criticized anybody for being a bear writer. I mean, well, I and I think she gives you... What you need. Yeah, she gives you the stuff that she wants you to have. Right. Um, which isn't really much extra. Right. Um, Not much setting. And it's very readable, which I, I think is one reason why it's sold in so many different languages, too. Because mm-hmm. there is something fairly... I was going to say transcendent. Transcendent, yeah. <laughs> Our favorite word. <laughs> Fairly transcendent uh-huh. about her. Um, about her. Well, and I think that that follows too with the, that there being, that these are real human motivations that she writes about. Mm-hmm. You can pr- translate them into another language and someone goes, oh yeah, husbands and wives can be like that. Right. Um, that's a real thing. Jake, do you, do you buy this real human motivation argument of dubstep Danny? Well, I've not. I know I've made myself the villain, so you have to defend Danny against me. But 
do you really buy this argument? <laughs> Danny's going to murder me and everyone's going to be happy, just like the ending of every, every Agatha Christie novel. <laughs> well, okay. I, I, I've only read, to my knowledge, I don't know. I've read so many things that <laughs> I, that I don't remember. <laughs> We've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. I've probably read a fair bit of Agatha Christie without knowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That I was reading Agatha, Agatha compilations and yeah. compendiums and whatnot. But of the of what I know of Agatha Christie, I've only read what what we've done, which is Murder on the Orient Express and a little bit of uh, some of the short stories. And I don't, I don't know. I, characterizations are pretty two dimensional, and you can say that that that's 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 realism. I'll, I'll... I, I think I do think that I do think that the psych the psychology tracks. Mm-hmm. I do think that that's true. But there is a sort of characterization is not something that she cares a lot about. Motivation, maybe, but characterization, not so much. So, you know, when you get to a film adaptation, you see an actor bringing tics and creating personality things or whatever that that, that bring to life what a real person, the kinds of things real people would do mm-hmm. that she just, she doesn't care about. And that's, the opposite of what you like, you know, if, if Raymond Chandler is going to write a detective story, it doesn't really matter if it has a plot or that it gets solved in the end. Raymond Chandler when, famously, when the movie producers called him, didn't couldn't remember who killed the chauffeur <laughs> in the book because it do, really doesn't matter. It's not what it's well, about. Well, I think, I, I think this is a, that's kind of the point of Murder on the Murder Express. Right. And we talked about that last time. Yes, we is did. that they all had to be pretty shallowly known so that you knew them all equally. Uh-huh. That was part of that one. And this one is a short story. Yeah. So you're yeah. not going to get a ton with that. And I, when, yeah, you the, know, it's interesting. I've seen, I had seen, I probably said this on the last episode, but I had seen Witness for the Prosecution before uh-huh. the movie. And for whatever reason, when I sat down, I uh, didn't pay attention. I didn't think I was sitting down to a compilation of short stories. I got to the end of, Witness for the prosecution. I was like, well, I guess that's a really great setup for the rest of this novel. (laughs) 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 And I was just like, okay, well, here we go. That would be a fantastic Uh opening to a novel. (laughs) Like that's that that's all chapter. That's chapter one. That's the setup for this novel. Mm -hmm. Okay, but like in my mind, I was just never registering it as a this Mm -hmm. little thing. Yeah. Yes, I'll give you characters are not not her except uh, like Poirot and Miss Marple, people that she. Invest spends a lot of, a lot of time with a lot over of, a lot. Well, and, and by the way, I want to qualify it a little bit and say I don't necessarily think that's a defect. It just mm-hmm. feels to me, quite it's a honestly, choice, I, I, I like to play up it's my villainy in the Agatha Christie <laughs> novels for fun or episodes because it's fun. But quite honestly, it feels to me like Agatha Christie and me simply aren't interested in the same things, yeah, and that's yeah. okay. Agatha Christie can write novels. Apparently, quite a few intelligent remarkable beautiful interesting people like them i just don't yeah yeah. (laughs) she's really sincerely i'm sorry if that cuts you off cuts off your arguments at the feet but i I just really think like she's the the things that she's interested in even about human nature like jake said maybe a good way to think of it is she's interested in motivation and that is interesting to a point but i want those ticks i want those splashes of color that Mm -hmm. everybody in real life has and she just simply does not seem to be interested in those. It's not a defect. It's just her. Yeah. And I mean, and I will, I will say, I, when I finish an Agatha Christie story, I don't say, mm, "What are the motivations in this? Right. What have I learned from this?" <laughs> yes. It's right. just part. It's part of why they ring true and why I sure. enjoy them. Yes. Yeah. I I think I mentioned this on a previous episode that her sense or in, her interest in justice is really interesting. Yes. That you get a lot in her novels. I skimmed, re-skimmed the play after watching the movie because, well, Alex and I watched the movie on Tuesday night. I read the short story on Wednesday and mm-hmm. skimmed the play, something like that. Yeah. Uh, I think it's interesting that when she wrote the play, she added in that extra element of justice at the end. Yeah, they, um, uh, Mr. Vol or whatever his name is in the book mm-hmm. just gets away with it in the Yeah, it just ends yeah. with that, with the big- We killed her. Drop, that big, yeah, big reveal. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting that she brought in that element. And she does it. I love the way that she does it in the play. I'm glad they didn't use it in the movie because it's really melodramatic. But it would be a good ending to a play. The Miss, Mrs. Vol or whatever her name is in the play stabs oh, yeah. him to death. And then she turns to the judge and says, guilty. Uh-huh. And you can imagine she's the actress like holding the knife in the air and saying guilty. And then the house lights turning off and everybody cheering. It'd be a pretty cool ending to the 
to the play. Yeah, agreed. But <laughs> you're just determined. <laughs> determined to be mopey about Agatha Christie. No, she's good. The art of telling a story is the art of what you're not telling, what you're not mm-hmm. saying, right. right? And so she chooses to leave out all the things that you care most about yeah. for the sake of telling a story that has pretty much universal the world. universal appeal. Everybody so. but me. <laughs> it's like this Aladdin movie that's out right now. Yeah. Um, well, and I chafe against your accusation that Agatha Christie is logic puzzles. Mm-hmm. And I say this as a person who enjoys logic puzzles. I bought myself a book of logic puzzles for Christmas this year. Like a book? Um, of those grid ones. Was it an Agatha Christie collection? Sudoku? No, 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 no. It's these logic, pu- these logic puzzles, and yeah. it's a grid, and you fill in, you do X's and circles. You do those in school. We did them in like fourth grade. I love them, but I actually gave away the book because they were too easy. Oh. Mm. But you bought it for yourself for Christmas. So you like oh, it was around it Christmas time. No, the, no, no, no. I just tree. bought it around Christmas time. <laughs> Are you the saddest <laughs> person in the world? <laughs> <laughs> from to, da- to Danny from Santa. Oh, <laughs> from, I thank you. <laughs> Danny? <laughs> Danny from, oh, from Alex. <laughs> the most logical gift you could give me. I did buy myself a chocolate orange once and put it in my stocking. Oh, well done. Uh, well, well, that's done. Except, I mean, yeah. those are delicious. The, the stockings, okay. The stockings are different. Stockings are different. That that doesn't count. Okay. You can also no. buy yourself anything, anytime. A free Just country, treat yourself. You no, but money. like, you know, if you are if you get to be the person who's stuck, stuck, Stockings, stuffers. Who stuffs, who stuffing stockers. The stocking stutter, then you get to pick out awesome things it's that you true. want for yourself. That's just the way it works. It's, it's a great side gig. Yeah. You should just, I mean, if you could just be a stocking stuffer. That'd be great. We show stockings year round. Yeah. You stuff them for myself all the time. You do. I mean, they're in the sock drawer. Presumably, you could just stuff candy in there <laughs> if you wanted to. Every time you're you go, right. to the, every time you go to the grocery store, you could just oh. carry along a stocking. And oh wait, I already do that without the stocking. Mm. So yes. she, Agatha Christie, is not logic puzzles. Take away the logic and what's left. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so, Your and, Honor. Well, that's what there's this funny, like contradictory complaint about Agatha Christie. Mm. The, on the one side, that it's just logic puzzles and you're just sitting there trying to figure out who did it and looking for the special clue. And the accusation that it's always just the most random person. You didn't know who it was at the end. Oh, look, ta-da. You didn't know the special thing that was hidden in the drawer. Those are contradictory in my mind. You know, I will say very um, quickly, not to interrupt, but I have never encountered that particular problem of arcane knowledge being an okay. issue of of like if I the, the classic Sherlock Holmes, if you yeah, didn't yeah. know the 30 pipe ash types you wouldn't i didn't realize okay. that was a well maybe maybe you've just Christie. mentioned it in an agatha christie episode generally speaking about detective novels he, he generally i usually well, throw that he, one anytime home, we talk about detective stuff he will bring that up as the kind of thing that he hates yeah, yeah. i don't recall us ever accusing agatha christie of that one well that might be an interesting okay. contradiction in me if i don't like the 50 uh-huh. types of ash and i don't like the logic puzzles what do i like <laughs> raymond chandler <laughs> yep <laughs> <laughs> oh man and i but i don't think that agatha christie is logic puzzles take away the logic <laughs> and what do you, what do you have a puzzle a p- <laughs> um no i mean there obviously is that i don't know but I, I do think it's more than that i think just at the end of reading an agatha christie there's an element of yeah i believe that if i didn't believe it then i wouldn't have been enjoyable i can see that and i can see having read my share of these sorts of things and watched my share of these sorts of things that agatha christie is better at that I will, I will, I will give you this much, and and no, and absolutely no more, which is that Agatha Christie is better than lots of people constructing not just a Cracker Jack plot, but making it feel like it would happen. Like the characters that inhabit it are characters that might inhabit such a plot and then might mm-hmm. do such things. And there is the vaguest, vaguest, smallest hint of genius, a whiff of perfection, enjoyment that some people have. <laughs> There's the smallest hint of an interest, interesting moral quandaries mm-hmm. sometimes in your murders on the Orient Express or your the way that Poirot goes out or the many, many, many women that kill the many, many terrible men because mm-hmm. the justice system just isn't up to the, the task. I guess like Christy will do that kind of stuff and it can be interesting. Yeah, she that even that's in 
witness for the prosecution too. Yes, very much so. Yeah, you're supposed to feel very sympathetic. What's her name? Christine mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. the villain. Then she's the hero. Then they're both the villains. Then she's a hero again. You know, right? Kind of goes all over the place. But in the end, you're supposed to be very sympathetic toward her. Agatha Christie, in general, is very sympathetic toward women. Yes, she likes. That's them. just kind of, which is fine. It's just a statement of fact. Uh, well, sense. I hope. My goal was not to convince you, right, Nathan. It's not convincing him. Um, my goal was just to defend all the bright, intelligent, beautiful people out there that you Call disparage stupid. and look down on. Okay. <laughs> 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 and also the not bright, unintelligent, ugly people mm-hmm. who also enjoy brilliant literature. Okay. I'm sorry, Uggos, and I'm sorry, Budos. Agatha Christie's just fine. If you want to sit there in your beauty and or ugly and ugliness and read them to yourself, you can do it. It's a free country. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. (laughs) You just undermined my defense. (laughs) My learned friend. Yeah, I couldn't decide if I was supposed to be the defense or the prosecution for this. Are you not, in fact, a chronic and habitual liar? <laughs> Man, that was a really good movie. Oh, yeah. It's Let's talk about the movie. movie. Let's talk about an actual quality work of art. The movie. The looking in. The looking yeah, in. Yeah, this that's is what, what we're here to talk about. Listen, listen. This is by, uh, people should know. I, I like this movie. It might be one of my favorite movies. I think it's a really good movie. Based on an Agatha Christie thing, is it? Yes, it is. And... I really like it a lot. And I watched it with the Incandescent Meredith the other day. And when it was over, she said, well, surely there are more adventures of Sir Wilfred starring Charles Lawton. I was like, nope, that's the only one. And she was like, Agatha Christie's the worst. Why didn't she write more of those? I don't know. Because Sir Wilfred barely existed in Agatha Christie's world. Instead, he was created by the great Billy Wilder. This this is my favorite one of my favorite filmmakers from the golden age of Hollywood. His name is Billy Wilder. He was a German immigrant who uh, escaped to Paris when the the whole kerfuffle with uh, Hitler happened. And <laughs> <laughs> is that what we're calling it now? <laughs> the, kerfuffle. <laughs> the kerfuffle. The kerfuffle with Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> and Billy Wilder came to America, and his famous quote—he has a lot of famous quotes—but his famous quote was, "If you tell people the truth, you should make them laugh, or they will kill you." And he was a man that set out to tell the truth and set out to do it with a very fun, sardonic sense of humor. And his mom died in the Holocaust. His stepfather died in the Holocaust. I think a grandma died in the Holocaust. So this guy coming to America and then have, and then living through the wealth, he lived into the 90s or something like that, had just had a really interesting perspective and was just a really great, simple filmmaker. I'm probably, I won't do a big like context for Billy Wilder, don't worry, but just real quickly. Not a lot of pyrotechnic techniques with the camera. He always stayed out of the way visually, but he was an absolutely fantastic writer of dialogue and of character and of little moments and of all the things that I really like in movies. And I like the way he writes dialogue and I like his nasty little characters. And he's also very vulgar in his once the production code lifted so don't watch his later stuff some like it hot being the most famous thing that kind of hit with marilyn monroe and that's not a movie you need to be watching but if you go back to his earlier stuff you've probably seen some of it dear listener sabrina with audrey hepburn wonderful mm-hmm. film stalag 17 sunset boulevard Stalag 17 every saturday afternoon dad movie the very, very saturday afternoon dad movie if ever there was one i would particularly recommend double indemnity written by no less than billy chandler and or no sorry billy wilder and the great raymond chandler so that might give you a hint why i like billy wilder he collaborated with one of my faves and i just think this movie's great because it takes a wonderful crackerjack agatha christie plot and puts all this beautiful business in there about uh, sir wilfred's health problems and the judge and the hats and Mm -hmm. just like every scene. I don't just like a good story. I like good scenes. I like scenes where things happen because people are interesting and they're fun. They do interesting things in real life. And I think so much of literature doesn't reflect that very well. I actually think when you do what we think of as a witty dialogue kind of movie, in some ways that actually reflects the way that real people talk more than a bland, boring dialogue movie does because people are interesting and they reveal more about themselves than they mean to and they're colorful and they say weird things and it's funny and they play they bounce off of each other is funny 
And this movie's full of that kind of stuff, and it's great. Woohoo! Yay. I agree. Yep. Thanks for listening, everybody. No, we can't end there. What'd you guys think about this movie? I thought it was great. What'd you like about it, Jake? The things that you just said. Well, I got overexcited and said too much. <laughs> I noticed, yeah. <laughs> you just were on a little roll there. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll say this. I enjoyed that movie, and I walked away doubting myself for a lot of the trash fun movies that I pick when I want to have fun, which is, if, I want, if I'm going to take time to watch a movie, I generally speak, I don't want something that's over dramatic. I don't want something that's heavy. I, if I'm going to watch a movie, I want it to be fun. Yeah. And this was a super fun movie all the way through, but it was just sophisticated and colorful and it was just on a different level than a lot of the fun trash that I I would normally pick if I was just going to watch a fun movie. So I don't know what that gets you except to say that, yeah, it's just like all the little touches, the, the bits of dialogue, the bits of color, the bits of not just two plus two, but... Two times two, maybe, mm-hmm. which is it's the same. Four. <laughs> same answer, yeah, I know. <laughs> but but the plus was turned to an angle, and so so what's also yeah, two to the second. Yeah. Well, by the same way, thing. if anyone's ever heard us reference the quote, give them two plus two. You'd say tell them two plus two equals four, and they'll like you. Tell give them two plus two, and let them make four, and they'll love you forever. It's Billy Wilder said that because he's a genius. Huh. Oh. Well, there you go. The two plus well, two guy is the guy that made this movie. And he's the guy that uh, throughout that movie, there's all kinds of just little things that I like that are two plus two things. The The moment that sticks in my mind is all of the little interplays with, what's his name? The barrister? Sir Wilfred. Sir, yeah, with Sir Wilfred trying to hide things or whatever. So the one that st- sticks out in my mind is he's going to offer, the ins- the inspector comes to arrest, what's his face? Leonard Vol. Leonard Vol. Leonard Vol. Yeah. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> The, the inspector comes to arrest Leonard Vole. He's already pawned a, a cigar off of his buddy and smoked the whole thing down. And so as they're starting to leave, he takes his buddy's other cigar, starts to offer it to the inspector, and the inspector starts to take it. He's like, oh, no, that would constitute bribery. Then he puts it in his own pocket and hides it behind his... So it was a sophisticated way to pawn another cigar for himself. But it happens so quick in a moment that you would think it's just this thing that happens... If you're not paying attention, you know, the wool could have been as easily pulled over your eyes as it was pulled over everybody else in the on screens. There's little things like that that happen that are sold as, you know, just the kind of thing that a normal person might do, but they are also revealing a level of sophistication about a character or whatever. Another great example is when you have the flashback to the cabaret in in Paris or wherever it was. And we talked about this earlier, yeah. you know. He's telling you a lot about Leonard Vole when you have this great big fight and then there's going to be the raid and he sets his glass up above where nobody can reach it and it's not going to be disturbed and manages to be the only person to slip out and come all the way back around and then back through after everybody's left and get his unmolested glass off the top of the the ductwork and finish his glass, help her find the thing. Mm-hmm. manages to have on it he's a smooth operator is the point like mm-hmm. it's all there for you but with all these subtle and then not so subtle <laughs> things well that's a great example of what we mean when we say give them two plus two and let them let the audience make four because the whole time the text of the movie is that leonard vole's kind of an idiot and he's kind of put upon and he kind of is he's just, just an innocent always one step behind yeah. but here's leonard vole in a series of actions proving that actually he's two steps ahead of he's everybody. two steps ahead of everybody but the movie never stops like a, a modern boring lame mundane terrible movie they'd put that in the dialogue like they'd tell you i'm actually two steps ahead or somebody i don't know how they do yeah, it but, but they never say that they never come out and say that but it's there throughout the movie if you have eyes to see it and that's that's just really cool and it as an audience member it it is the embodiment of that Billy Wilder quote mm-hmm. because it it makes him it makes you feel respected as an audience member that he he respects your intelligence to pick up all the things that he's laying down and the people that don't pick up on it they're none it's, it's not it like they works. feel dumb he doesn't mm-hmm. make them feel dumb it still works they can go read but the more that you the more that you are pick. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we were doing that so was low. well. That was a low we blow. We were doing so well. That was a low blow. I'd like to apologize to Danny and to the American people. <laughs> and to Jake. <laughs> Who's not one of the American people? <laughs> Jake. <laughs> Jake is from Russia. <laughs> I've done such a good job disguising my accent. Yeah. That's Another right. just tiny example. Just this is the kind of thing I like is how many boring movies have we seen where to show that time is lapsing, we need to see a clock or something like that or see the sun go down. Hey, here's an idea. Let's show have him count pills. Having him count pills and then mm-hmm. let's cut to a shot of there just being two pills left or whatever. It's just it's just little things like that I really really enjoy. Yeah, it's so good. It, it was it's really really good. And I don't think I've ever seen it before. Alex kept turning to me during it he was also kind of packing for china while Mm -hmm. we were watching but he was still very engaged um and he kept saying this is really good Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) which i think i don't know i didn't know what to expect i guess it could be like and there are all sorts of lame courtroom movies yeah couldn't think of any off the top of my head (laughs) but there are all sorts of them there are some Um, and uh and it was just really fun actually the one line that stuck out to me which Mm -hmm. is not in the play i looked for it is when Christine is first talking to Sir Wilfred and mm-hmm. the other guy, the tall one, and she says, "One can get very tired of gratitude," mm-hmm. and that that just hit me as a such an honest line. Mm-hmm. And then actually, I think it comes out later, yeah, in you know her saying to Leonard, "But I just saved your life, right?" Um, but gratitude isn't enough, right? Yep, yeah, that was nice. Another little, I'm I'm not I'm not making fun of Miss Christie here at all or saying anything bad about her but a little problem that i think the p- i'm about to make <laughs> i'm making space for myself to knock christy and praise this billy wilder guy that i like no but a little problem that they solved which any you know there'd be some to solve in any play adaptation i think in a play you could kind of accept maybe leonard vol just bringing some floozy in at the end mm-hmm. but I like how they made the floozy into a little comic foil for the nurse so that yeah. she was actually introduced. We already kind of knew her just so she that's didn't That's not come. in the play. That's not no. in the play. The, she nurse, the nurse isn't in the play. Yeah. All the stuff about yeah. all the comedy basically isn't yeah. in the play. Which I miss. The play looks like it'd be a real fun play to see. It basically is just a courtroom drama from what I, you, I guess you have in his chambers and yeah. the people come and tell their stories. But then most of And you of get the meeting, the meeting romaine as a you know just in the skies you do get that okay i only skimmed it so but it looks like it'd be a really fun play i think so and it'd be a really fun play actually to see like your friends in or a repertory like well yeah and i think she wrote it there's even a she wrote a little preface that she really wants it for amateur yeah she wrote it so that anybody could do it it's very you know even things like he perches himself on the desk see her lots of stage direction in it and lots of mood direction too you can see a really great high school production i guess it's a little naughty maybe but you could see a really fun really fun high school production yeah and she even gives it's a fairly there are a lot of characters but she does she gives a note of who could be doubled if you want to do it with a smaller group yes there's just a lot of a lot of consideration for i don't know amateurs wanting to do it which is pretty sweet nice i like that yeah she was just a woman of the people you know she was a woman of the people but not not your people yeah no the people can have her but um uh please please <laughs> let them read christy <laughs> oh man but you know i think also i just feel like i live in a post in a postmodern world danny i feel like i've seen all the plots and mm-hmm. so there's not much in an agatha christy this isn't a problem with christy it's just a fact that i sort of know how those things work and they're usually not going to surprise me. Or if they do, it'll just feel a little arbitrary because yeah. it could just have easily have been the other surprise, but it's that it's this one. And so I like a movie like this where it's hitting those beats. It's hitting them in a fun way. It's surprising. The incandescent Meredith didn't call it. She did not realize that Marlena Dietrich was playing the the fishwife person or whatever her name was. Um, she didn't have a name. Yeah, no, she didn't have a name. But she did have the dead Marlena Dietrich giveaway of... Not being able to pronounce your W's yeah, properly. Yeah, or not being able to pronounce her R's and saying, she says twubble or something in there. Which, by the way, if not that you should see it, but if anyone's seen Blazing Saddles, they know that that character played by Madeline Kahn in that movie is a big spoof of, of Marlena Dietrich and how she talked with the W's. What was my point? Oh, it's got all that plot stuff, but then it's got, it's like, I, I really like genre 
And I really like seeing what somebody can do with it. How can I put something, take this template that everybody knows and just do something kind of fun with it. Mm -hmm. So this kind of a movie for me is catnip because what I don't actually like, weirdly perhaps, is when it's just color, you know, when it's just characters, you know, you'd think I'd really like some weird drama without the any Cracker Jack plot. You know, here I've sat and made fun of plots and everything. Like you'd think, just let's just remove that and let's just have weird, interesting, colorful characters bounce off of each other. And maybe people would argue that's what Raymond Chandler is a little bit. Raymond Chandler always has the threat of violence, at least, and a plot of some type. And I do find, as I've gotten older, that I get bored and check out if 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 things don't have that. Like, I actually do. It's kind of, Agatha Christie for me, maybe she's kind of like vegetables. You still have to eat them, and they're still part of any good meal. So this, if this, I, I mean, the, the fact that you know the stories does remove just a lot of the potential excitement of it. Yeah, it does. Like rereading one of her stories that I know really well is not always that fun. Right. Some of them maybe. Some of them I just enjoy for the characters. But yeah, that does it makes it less exciting. So that's unfortunate. But I've seen this movie half a dozen times, and I always yeah, and, like, and I, I would agree. Yeah, I'd, I'd watch the movie with again. It's still Charles fun. Lawton's character. He's just fun and. His relationship with the nurse is fun. Because the, the movie is a lot more than just the reveal at the end. Yes. It's just, it's thematically rich. And, and it's extremely well acted. And Charles Lawton, uh, man, he's pretty good. He's awesome. A yeah. chronic and habitual liar. That's my favorite line from anything almost. What do you guys think about Tyrone Power? Pretty lame. I thought that Marlena Dietrich was kind of unlikable in the role and that Tyrone Power was kind of felt impotent but i actually thought that it was good casting because it actually worked pretty well for i mean both. it's what it should have felt like yeah. i just i was never because of and it's hard to tell is it just the style of acting or is it just whatever i was never ready to find him that sympathetic from the beginning i thought he was well his acting is an old school style uh, i'm innocent i tell you i'm innocent it's like i'm acting i tell no! you christine People. Tell her it tell them it ain't so, Christine. Uh-huh. Yes, it's like nobody talks like that. It's a very yeah. stagey kind of old Though, school acting. Well, I th- I think the fu- the interesting element of that is that it all was an act. Right, right. Leonard Which, Bull actually yeah. might just right. not be that great of an actor. Yeah, but. yeah. But I I mean I think yeah, and that's why it works. Mm-hmm. I I'm always amused in movies by actors being actors. Actors being actors. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Or when they or when someone says something like, "Oh, you can't fake that." Mm-hmm. Like, well. He is faking he, that. Yes, that's all. I have I a secret for you. You're all acting. <laughs> um, I just I find those really amusing. I he is that is kind of that time period, but I yeah. think it's also that he was a fraud. He was a fraud. Well, the I just think that, that that's the way that that was going to work no matter what mm-hmm. because of the nature of film. Well, the thing yeah, you yeah. should know about Tyrone Power, Jake, if you didn't, is that he was a very famous swashbuckling. This is him kind of past yeah, his I peak. It's that. like it's like Brad Pitt now. You know, like he used to be a pretty boy. So he played in like, he played Zorro. He played yeah. like he was in probably short of the Antonio Banderas, the best Zorro movie. Like he, he played those kinds of roles. So this yep. was pretty savvy casting. Here's a guy that people usually like and trust. Associate and, as being the good guy. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like if you had so Orlando helps. Bloom or Chris Evans or somebody that we just think of as a really great straight arrow kind of character, you get one of those guys to play the Leonard Vole part. That's kind of what this would be like, I think. Gotcha. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. And then, of course, Marlene Dietrich was just known for being uh, being exactly what she was in the cabaret scene. I mean, she made her fame in silent movies doing dances and crazy stuff. So they're very much playing with uh, it's just a little meta the way that they, <laughs> way that they play with uh, the, the types there. Yeah, I don't know. Anything else to say about this movie, guys? Not really. I don't think so. It's good. It is really good. Yep. People should watch it. Mm-hmm. Worth it. It's really funny and fun and awesome. And it was good. a three ninety nine rental for me. Got it from the library. There you go. You can go to the Monroe County Public Library, assuming that Dubstep Danny returns it. I did. I've already returned She's it. She's already returned it. It's there right now, probably. So if you want to drive down from Wisconsin and get a library card. Which and- you can't. Because you don't live in Monroe County. Actually, you can, but it's a, it's a hefty chunk of change. Is that right? Is that how that works? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well... Probably your library doesn't have it wherever you are. You can always go on Amazon Prime and rent it for just three ninety nine. Can you get the uh, standard definition for two ninety nine? Probably, but it's usually we idea. are not cheapos. We we we, we, we give me that HD. Yeah, 
Just press the button. Sometimes my internet isn't fast enough for the HD, so it's really not worth mm. the extra time. I'm sorry. That's okay. I just get the standard definition. Agatha Christie's kind of like the standard definition of writers. <laughs> I wish our <laughs> listeners could have seen my eye roll. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I can't read something good, so. Oh, man. <laughs> my internet's not fast enough. <laughs> no. Man. Listen, Danny, you're not stupid. You're smart. <laughs> well, I needed that validation uh, yeah, tonight. No, That's yeah. really why I came. <laughs> and and you are welcome to read. Yeah, who, who else to better validate you than Nathan Albertson? <laughs> yeah. The Lord of Validation himself. That would be your donor shout out name. <laughs> the Lord of Validation himself. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Maybe instead of being your humble and obedient host, I'll be the Lord of Validation himself for a little while. Yeah. Um, I like that. Jake. Hey, if you can make... If if Nathan can make Ghost Brandon and what was mine? Uh, uh, Beastmaster Funky. Town. <laughs> Beastmaster Funky Town. If he can make Ghost Ghost Brandon and Beastmaster Funky Town, right? Stick. We can make what was it again? Nathan, the Lord of Validation himself. Nathan, the Lord of Validation. I think Lord it captures my essence, just like De- 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 <laughs> Beastmaster yeah. Funky Town captures yours. And, <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Ghost Brandon. <laughs> I mean, he's not and, even here. And Dubstep Danny. And Dubstep Danny. Yeah, all of our names are uh, prescient at worst. Well, Danny, <laughs> thank you for coming here again. I'm going to be back in a month. For Little Women. For Little Women. That's right. And, and who will be joining you on this epic adventure? Uh, Mrs. Anna Chastine herself. For little Women. Mrs. Anna Chastine, yeah. And uh, Mrs. Amanda Mitchell. They're not Little Women, Jake. Like, well, there's no good way to go, <laughs> go from there, is there? <laughs> Dig yourself out of that. They're also not big women. They are... So, uh, Mrs. Anna Chastine and mm-hmm. whom else who else whom else and and who else mrs amanda mensel mrs amanda mensel the wife mm-hmm. of our very own who has never been on a book in an episode nope she's never been on any oh no she was on the last episode of the ville that's right mm-hmm. she, and on an episode of monumental yes both of which will be dropping oh no the ville already dropped and the monumental will be dropping a couple weeks from when you hear this so keep an eye out from that it's really good maybe made me cheer up a little bit i don't know just a little yeah, Danny, anything you want to plug? Anything that people need to know? Little Women's a great book. I'm really excited. Oh, yeah, you're going to be back. And you're going to play the the Lord, the the Lady of Validation. You'll, the Lady you'll, of Validation you'll herself. Be like, I, have, I have appointed you host of this mm-hmm. epic adventure because I'm not going to be there to host it. Okay. You can do whatever you want. You can say... I know, I'm a little nervous. No, it'll be fun. It's fun. I'm actually quite nervous. Uh, well, you don't have to be nervous. It'll be great. All you have to do is say, hey, hello, this is the book Well, that's what I can't decide how, how booking it should be. It can um, be whatever you want it to be. It's 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 in Nathan your... Nathan likes it when I do impersonations. <laughs> yeah, it's so spot on. <laughs> Jake's like, if I remove all nuance, <laughs> I will have achieved perfect Nathan. <laughs> Oh, man, I probably deserve it. But just because I deserve it doesn't mean it's what I want or like. And the world deserves Agatha Christie. And that is a sad thing. (laughs) And no one should read her. No, you can read Agatha Christie. Danny, I want to. I think it's. it's the, I think the problem is that it always becomes permission. <laughs> yeah, like, no. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But you're allowed to read it. No, 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 Danny. I cannot and give also, you permission. I cannot take stupid. permission away. Was that? <laughs> and also, I'm sorry that you're stupid enough to want to. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but <laughs> assuming that you do, <laughs> assuming you know, that next these things time, are true. Next time, we yeah. don't actually even need Nathan and I get the Christie episode. We could just give his undertext, his subtext to everything, and you don't even need to show up. Okay, it's, I true. Just, it's true. <laughs> I can I can lead off with my impression of Nathan. Yeah. <laughs> Be sure you get lots of my undertext in there. Um. <laughs> You're gonna start using that word. Undertext. That's my job. Yep. I'm the coiner of phrases. The coiner of phrases. Yes. Okay. Well, the point is, you can you do not need my permission, world, to like Agatha Christie. And you don't need your podcast to always agree with you, okay? It's true. It's more fun if I don't like Agatha Christie. Do you really want to listen to a podcast where I like Agatha Christie? Is that what you want? Think carefully about that, listeners. Do you want me to like Agatha Christie? Is that what you want? I think I think they want you to like all the things that they like and to not like all the things that they don't like. I am not a chronic and habitual liar. I will say I do appreciate booking episodes where you don't all agree on stuff. Yeah. Which is we're kind of having right now, mm-hmm. one of them. So you are on an episode that you can appreciate. You listen just, to the ones that you're on. If it just weren't so constant and uh, unrelenting, 
I relented. And you did. You did I've some relenting. Done nothing but relent today. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've done a little bit besides <laughs> relent, <laughs> but there's been a, a healthy dose of re- relentation today. I think. Relentation. Yep. <laughs> yeah, okay. I do listen to the episodes that I'm on. What do you think? Of? You like them? <laughs> yeah, they've all been fine. There we go. I had to listen to a lot of podcasts that I'm on. Mm-hmm. Here, okay. Here's my final question, and then we'll be done. Okay. You say that there are good Agatha Christie books out there. Mm-hmm. Should we read one? Or do you want to condemn me to the See, I, dark outer world of not liking Agatha You say like, that there are ones that have that track with greater psychological blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. Um, well, yeah, there are good ones. But I really do think that you probably know the plots to mm-hmm. all the, the greats, which I does just remove that level of... I know Ten Little Indians and I know the ABC murders like off Mm -hmm. the top of my head just because those are kind of reference points. And the murder of Roger Ackroyd. Yes, I do know Mm -hmm. that one. Yeah. Um, So it's it's hard to recommend one that you wouldn't already know. Um, Well, the audience loves it when we do Agatha Christie. So if you ever want us to do one, if you ever think of one where you just think like, eh, maybe this will get him. Maybe this will be the full relentation. Then I'm game. Okay. I'll I'll think on it. The only thing to stand between... More Agatha Christie on in the bookening is fear itself. Indeed. That's true. Jake, final thoughts? Nope. I will. I'll give a little shout out to a mystery series that I've read of late. Yes. Um, that's a fun, say, Miss Marple were a little more adventurous and became a spy. Okay, huh. cool. Um, mm. they're, they're called Mrs. Polifax is the main character. And what's and old Mrs. All... Polifax up to? Well, she's widowed and has a fairly normal, boring life volunteering mm-hmm. at the hospital and going to garden club and all Except those things she's a spy. Um, and then she decides one day that she's tired of this boring life and she goes to the cia and says i would like to be a spy and then she accidentally kind of becomes one hmm. um and it's, it's quite fun what era are we in oh let's see 80s maybe i can't remember okay like um, more or less modern yeah yeah stuff. They're, they're pretty fun cool for those of you who enjoy mystery novels they're short and quick reads and just Delightful was the word I kept thinking of in the first one. Hey, I like to be delighted. Beach read type thing or rainy day is like more beach read or rainy day or what environment Fluffy. is the ideal environment for a polyfax? Probably beach read. Beach. Yeah, I think I actually found it. I there's a website devoted to cozy mystery novels, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and she was recommended on there. And I will go ahead and reiterate the fact that what you should all really read if you like mystery novels, read, first read uh, Mrs. Polyfax and then read. The Nero Wolf stories by Rex Stout. Those are the novels that best combine the Agatha Christie school with the Raymond Chandler school of good books. Thanks for being on, Danny. Thanks for having me. You want? You, I've said so many insulting things. I think you should have the last word. So one, two, three, go. See you next time <laughs> on the Lookening. <laughs> Bookening, the Lookening, I should say, was executive produced by Jacob Benzel and Nathan Alberson, like all fine Warhorn podcasts. It was produced by your pal, the Lord of Validation himself, Nathan Alberson, your humble and obedient host. Featured Jake, me, and our good friend Danny. Thanks for being here, Danny. Thanks for having me. Enjoy the rest of your life until you're on again. Thanks, I will. Don't murder. I won't murder anybody. Yay, okay. And go to patreon.com forward slash the bookening to support all your bookening podcasts bye jake bye get better soon brandon hopefully you'll be on next episode bye